Welcome to The Kick in the Cast, the audio blog of a wannabe podcast novelist. My name's Chris, and this is episode 27. Hello, and welcome back to The Kick in the Cast. Well, we're down to the nitty-gritty now without cast. As of this episode, there are only two chapters left, including this one. So, let's just get into it, shall we? So here we go, with chapter 26 of Outcast. Outcast, a novel, written and read by Chris Fitston. Chapter 26 No one looks forward to death. All things die, but... It's a frightening prospect. Yet, in the face of it, we still live. I don't mean that we exist, but we live. Performers perform, scientists make discoveries, and, most importantly, we love. We may all end the same, but our journeys to that end are many and varied. Maybe there is something after this life, or maybe not. Those of us who know can't tell us. Regardless, when we close our eyes for that last time, knowing that we did all we could while we were alive is all we can ask for. To protect my family, I knew what I needed to do, and what it would cost. However, I was determined to make sure that when my time came, I would be taking a lot of them with me. I was training to be a Lautari after all. The next day, I met with Krasa and told him about my impromptu vacation. I availed myself of him and he readily accepted. He doubled my lesson times and I welcomed it. At least, I did at first. After two extended sparring sessions, I began to regret telling him. I thought increasing my training time would help with my confidence with what I was about to face, but it only showed me how much more I had to learn. My victories increased only slightly but my defeats were still handed to me violently. By the time I left the training hall, I did so exhausted, bruised, and sometimes bloody if I wasn't careful. One consolation to this new training schedule, and my two weeks off work, was Teki. She had taken to accompanying me on the transport to my training, after which she would either spend time in the downtown core or risk a trip to the warehouse to visit Cyrus. When I finished... She was there with a warm embrace and a, thankfully, tender kiss. I did my best to return any affection, painful as it sometimes was. I suppose it was true what they said about love hurting sometimes. Teki became a constant shadow in my life after our time at the stream. Our only time apart was when I attended my training. While I enjoyed the attention, her change hadn't gone unnoticed by me. Normally, she was fine with me leaving for work or training and would go about her business while I was gone. Perhaps, with the specter of death hanging over me, she wanted to spend as much time with me as possible. Or, perhaps she was just trying to reinforce her vow to me at the stream about always loving me. She needn't have worried about that, though. Thinking back, if I were in her shoes, I would have behaved the same. Shiana's elder, Her grandfather lost his wife to a tumor about a year before my attack. 
They knew her time was short, and her family spent as much time with her as they could. They were building as many memories as they could with her so they could keep her in their hearts when she was no longer there. If I knew Teki was going to die, and she knew too, then I'd want to do what she was doing to me, making as many memories as possible now, so that on the long, cold nights after, I'd have something to keep me warm. Grandfather came by to visit toward the end of my first week's vacation. Teki and I were straightening up the dwelling when the knock came. We both froze. Grandfather hadn't sent a message to either of us to let us know he was coming. That probably meant something urgent had happened. My mind started racing with possibilities. Had Lars succeeded in taking someone? Was Grandfather here with a cohort of Chatelia, intent on turning me in in exchange for the clan's safety? Slowly, I made my way to the door while Teki armed herself with a frying pan. I opened the door and beheld the smiling muzzle of my grandfather standing there. I deflated instantly, seeing that he was alone. I opened the door fully and bid him come in. Teki also relaxed and put her weapon down. She put on a kettle for some tea before joining us at the table. My apologies for not contacting you sooner, he said. In truth... My mind has been going in so many directions lately that I'm amazed I dressed myself this morning. Is everything all right? I asked. Has Lars tried anything more? Quite the opposite, he leaned back in his chair. It seems your little performance has caused somewhat of a priority shift with the council. My ears perked at his statement. News of a Lautari on clanlands has the council in a panic, he continued. The Shadlia are all on full alert and the Najari are negotiating the details of the hunt. That sent a chill up my spine. If the two Najari clans got involved in the hunt for the Beast Walker, namely me, that was it. I cannot speak for the Black Rose, but the Winter Stalkers have been reluctant to answer the Council's call. He winked. Something about this rampaging demon saving the lives of allied clansmen. That made Lars back down? Taki asked rising to retrieve the tea and three cups. Grandfather nodded. His nature aside, the council can still bring him to heal, especially in a situation like this. But if the Beast Walkers are so reviled, offered the cougar, then wouldn't that Dallin Heltier clan make everyone think some deal was struck? Under normal circumstances, perhaps, Grandfather said. The clans have no love for the Lautari and view them as unnatural. A lie. I said lowly. My eyes, my voice. There was no ritual in creating them. It just happened. C my teacher said that we were creatures of nature, and that what was happening to me could, in theory, be learned by any Bengalan. Indeed, Grandfather said. The ease of learning it, though, deteriorates with age, much like anything else. He finished his tea, and Teki poured him another cup. Mostly because the scientific explanations for them are at quite a high level, academically speaking. So rather than educate, the clan simply demonize, Teki finished. But why has Lars backed down? Well, there is a Terran saying for such a thing. Karma is a bitch, Grandfather said with a barking laugh. The council knows well that the Rondoki revile the Calamars. And after first forcing the exile of one, 
and then attacking another. Let's just say the idea of divine consequence started floating around in conversation. I let out the breath I didn't know I was holding. So great was the fear of the Lautari that the council had finally told the great Lars Rondoki to shut his mouth? This revelation left me stunned, but also cautiously optimistic. How long will they wait? I asked, only partially wanting to know the answer. So long as the council believes a Lautari walks these grounds, Grandfather replied, any further action against the tiger's paw will be met with harsh consequences. He held up a hand to stop my protest. Remember, Grandson, the Black Rose and the Winter Stalkers are honor-bound to obey the council. Lars knows this, and despite what he has hidden behind his estate walls, two entire clans of Najari assassins would gut that clan to a man. It still feels temporary, I said glumly. How long before the fear finally subsides and Lars starts up again? Maybe I bought some time, but... Time is what we need the most, Grandfather interrupted. Each day that we're not distracted by his ranting gives me another day to investigate what happened to the Kalpak. If your suspicions are correct, then what? I stood up, finally unable to just sit anymore and listen to this half-hearted attempt at positivity. Dallin, Teki's voice tried to calm me down. No, Teki, I said, cutting her off. It changes nothing. Even if it's true and I go before the council, what then? If Lars has as much influence as you say, it's my head. Or, if the council ends up exiling the Midnight Fang, what's to stop them from slaughtering us all? All I've done now is distract everyone from all this, but that won't last. A month, maybe two, and Lars will be on the warpath again. Either going after Tila, or Mikio, or any one of us. Even you. Grandfather stared up at me, eyes wide and jaws open slightly. My ears were ringing from the volume of my outburst, but I didn't regret it. Grandfather was rightfully happy that his clan was safe for the moment, but he had to understand that was all it was. A moment. Thrilling as it was to get some payback against those Paklas who dared call themselves Shatlia, I know I got lucky, I said. What if next time it's veteran members? Or Najari? How many times will I have to bleed for the very institution that cast me aside? You were going to run, Grandfather finally said. It wasn't a question. You were going to turn your back on all this and... What? Turn my back on what? I growled. On this place? I waved my hand to indicate the dwelling. On a society that throws children away? On a council of doddering old clictas who are more interested in their vestments than the well-being of their own kind? That's enough. Grandfather was on his feet now, using a tone of voice I'd heard maybe one other time in my life. Yes, you were wronged, Dallin. But you still have... Don't you dare tell me I have a duty. I roared with my altered voice. All roads end with my death, so what's the point? You think any god or patron will smile upon me? Give me their blessing when I die? I turned away. I took a few moments to calm down and ensure my voice had gone back to normal. Yes, I was going to run, I said after a time. I was going to disappear from all of this and start a new life with Teki. Maybe someday have children of our own, and I'd raise them to be good people. Then why didn't you? Because I hate them! My voice returned to its bestial tone. 
All they had to do was leave well enough alone. But no. They just had to come after the rest of you, didn't they? I clenched my fists, wishing desperately for something to hit. He just had to take it too far. And now I have to die to protect. Stop. I stared up to see Taki moving toward me. I turned my head away, once more feeling unworthy to look at her. There's only one way to truly stop this, I said softly. But I'm not... strong enough. I... I'll never be that... that... My cougar was in my arms a heartbeat later, and the tears fell anew. Gods damn me. Up until that moment I was set. I was prepared to face my end head-on and do it with dignity. I fully expected Grandfather to tell me that it was time when he arrived. But instead he gave me a reprieve. He made me think about my choice again, and damn it, I did think. I thought for just one moment that there was a chance, only for reality to reassert itself. She held me until I stopped blubbering like a kitten. I... I'm sorry, Grandfather, I said. I... I was sure that when you came it was to tell me that... I understand, he interrupted. I am sorry, my grandson. I had no idea you bore such a burden. He approached and embraced me once Taki moved away. I will find the answers we need, Dallin, he said softly. And I will make sure the fear of the Lautari stays good and fresh with the council. I will squeeze as much time out of this as I can. But I ask something in return. What's that? I asked as we broke the embrace. Live, he said, his voice filled with conviction. Stop counting the days, Dallin. Stop thinking that this all ends with your death. Fight to live, grandson. If or when that day comes, believe that you will prevail and will walk away from it. Choose to live, little one. He cupped my muzzle with one of his hands. Can you do that for me? I... I think so, I said, still unsure. I didn't know what he was planning, or how my situation would change, but his words comforted me. It was yet another sliver of hope that I could grab onto and hold, if only for a little while. What happens now? Now, he said. Now I'm going to do what an elder is supposed to do. Protect my clan. He leveled his gaze at me. All of them. He shared one last embrace with me and with Teki before heading out the door. As it closed, Teki sidled up next to me. He's got away with words, she said. I nodded. He should have gone into the priesthood. He'd have people converting to Kaon's wisdom by the dozen. We both laughed, and it felt good too. The voice of doubt was still there chipping away at this new layer of assurance. But at least for the moment, I could take Grandfather's advice and just live. It was midway through the second week of my forced vacation. In a few more days, school would start, and on top of work and training, I would soon be blessed with the additional burdens of homework, exams, and trying to fit in with a bunch of peers who, to me, had no idea of how the real world worked. I would be as much an outcast among them as I was to the clans. Well, 
At least fellow students didn't have a moral obligation to try and kill you because of your status. I wasn't sure how the upcoming school year was going to treat me. I would be a grade behind my friends until I could write the challenge exam. But even after that, what then? Everyone knew that Risha, Tomas, and Max all had a friend named Dallin, who was a tiger. Had enough time gone by that a new tiger named Darian would be different enough? Or would I have to distance myself from them to help support the illusion? At least with Teresa there, I wouldn't be alone if it came to that. Perhaps she could help reinforce the illusion among my old acquaintances. I really wouldn't know until the school year started. I remember falling asleep that night with Teki in my arms, as always. Grandfather had become more communicative to she and I, informing us via messaging of any progress of his renewed investigation. It helped stave off the doubt I was feeling, and it made getting through the days that much easier. This night was like any other night. Nothing special had happened. My training had been brutal once again, and Teki had been there to accompany me home. We had eaten a decent but not extravagant meal and had gone for an evening walk before retiring for the night. Absolutely nothing seemed out of the ordinary, which made me wonder why I awoke in the middle of the night alone. At first, I thought perhaps she'd gone outside to relieve herself. It wouldn't be the first time. However, as the minutes ticked by, I grew increasingly concerned. Had she gotten lost? Had she fallen? Had someone found her? Instinct won the battle over exhaustion, and I was on my feet in moments. I still stumbled around like a fool to find my pants before rushing out into the night in search for her. I didn't have to go far. The moment I rounded the corner of the dwelling, a lit fire nearly blinded me. I saw Teki sitting there, just staring into it. If she noticed me there, she made no move to acknowledge me. She just continued to stare into the fire, as though entranced by it. I sat down beside her and placed a hand on her shoulder. Only then did she turn her muzzle to meet me. My eyes widened as I saw the twin streams from her eyes. She was crying. Teki, I asked, giving her shoulder a squeeze. What is it? What's wrong? Fresh tears fell as she blinked. Her jaw moved and my heart started beating faster. I... I have to leave, she said. I felt the blood drain from my muzzle and my ears began to ring. I felt all the fur on my body stand straight up. My throat ran dry as my jaw hung open. At first, I thought maybe I misheard her, but the look on her muzzle, the tears? No, I had heard her correctly. She was leaving. Why? I finally choked out. What did I do wrong, Taki? It's not you, she replied. I love you, Dallin. I've always loved you. Please, don't blame yourself. Then why? I asked. I could feel my own tears beginning to well up. I don't understand. Because I finally do understand. She stroked the side of my muzzle with her hand. I understand what you have to become to live, Dallin. Your grandfather told you to live, to not give up. But I still feel the doubt in you. You know what you have to become, yet you don't feel like you can. But you have to. 
I jerked away from her hand and cocked my head to one side. What do you mean? I asked. What do I have to become? Violence, Dallin, she said. You said so yourself that there was only one way this would truly end, and you have to be ready for it. But I've seen what you can do, and you're just getting started. From the alley and with your brother and sister, your ferocity is like nothing I've ever seen. But it's not enough, I said. I'll never be. You're wrong. She brought her hand back up to cut my muzzle. You will be strong enough someday, Dallin. Everyone believes in you, except you. So why do you have to leave? Remember how you felt in the alley? You were ready to end Daryl right there, but you didn't. Why? Because I... You... Because you were ashamed. I hesitated before nodding. You were ashamed because you thought you frightened me. I closed my eyes and nodded again. So long as I'm here, Dallin, I'm holding you back. For you to continue down this path, you need to move past that shame and accept what you're becoming. I can't and won't stand in your way. You won't. You're not. My voice was desperate. Deep down, I understood, but that didn't mean I wanted her to go. Taki, the shame is mine to deal with. You shouldn't have to go just because... That's just it, she interrupted. You do frighten me, Dallin. When you get that savage look in your eye, to be honest, there are times when I'm not sure if you truly recognize me. All I know of the Beast Walkers is what the stories my tribe tell, and none of those stories end well for those who cross them. But you know better, I pleaded. You know I'd never hurt you. Now, yes, she said. But what about tomorrow, Dallin? What if the Beast Walkers are as indiscriminate as the stories tell? Then I'll stop, here and now, I declared. No more training, no more fighting, no more scaring you. Would that do it? Would that be enough to make you... She covered my mouth with her hand, silencing me. You would never forgive yourself if you abandon everything now, she said softly. And what of your family? Who would protect them? I... It was a cold, merciless truth that finally settled itself within me. This was indeed the price of my deal with the Dark One. The moment I accepted my training as a Lautari, I started all this. I chose this path. I chose to continue to train. I chose to continue to fight. I chose to protect my siblings. I chose to become violence manifest, and in doing so, I also chose this consequence. I turned away from Teki, not wanting her to see the growing snarl on my face. It wasn't for her, but for me. All I wanted was to make the best of what the fates had done to me, to live out my life comfortably and in love. Was that truly so much to ask, even as an exile? Was just going through the motions of the day-to-day -day truly an impossible task? But I didn't want the day-to-day, -day, did I? I thought about the night before I accepted Cross's offer. I remembered the cries of those kittens, the betrayal of a friend, the rain, the digging. I remembered the tears I cried as I held those bodies in my arms. I remembered roaring to the heavens as I finished covering the grave over.
That was when it all started, wasn't it? It all began with the death of three innocent kittens at the hands of those claiming to do the work of the patrons. I felt her hand on my shoulder, coaxing me to turn and face her. Her muzzle bore the saddest smile I had ever seen. This is not the end, she said, her voice barely a whisper above the fire. I will always love you, Dallin, and I will wait for you. What do you mean? I'm returning home, she announced. The tribes will be at the gathering place soon. Your grandfather helped me make arrangements with Cyrus to help return me to Tanaya. But I thought you said the wound was too fresh. I've spent the summer in the care of a beast walker, she said with a small smile. That story will carry enough weight with the chiefs. At least, I believe it will. My eyes widened. You mean, you're planning to return? Not even knowing if you'll be welcomed back? She nodded. I have to try, Dallin. For us to have a future, I have to try. And what if it doesn't work? What then? She shrugged. I spent months hiding before, she answered, returning her gaze to the fire. It was my own stupidity that got me into Daro's skimmer that night. I won't be making that mistake again. She then turned back to face me. Whether I make it back to my family or not, Dallin, the fact remains that I have to leave so that you can grow and live. I closed my eyes and hung my head. Every point I could make about how bad an idea this was, she already had a counter for it. She had spent a lot of time on this. I wondered how long she had been planning this. In the end, it didn't really matter. She was leaving, and nothing I did or said could stop her. I finally opened my eyes and looked back at her. I merely stared, wanting to burn this last image of her in my mind so that it would haunt my vision until the day I'd see her again. I let my eyes wander over her perfect muzzle, her amber eyes that seemed to glow in the firelight. My mind suddenly filled with the sounds of her voice, especially her laughter. That was my choice for what sound to remember her by. It would be the memory of her laughter that would carry me through those upcoming lonely nights. At last, I nodded. I didn't want to, but to waste any more words on the argument would have been pointless. I reached for her hand still on my shoulder and gave it a squeeze. She moved until she was sitting in my lap, her arms wrapped around me. I knew I had to say something but now my mind was a complete blank. When I finally did find my voice again, I could only say one word. When? Hmm? When are you leaving? Not for a couple of days, she said, kissing my neck. I could feel her beginning to purr against me. We don't have a lot of time left, my love. So let's make the most of it. And we did. The skimmer took only a few minutes to load. Tiki didn't have that much to pack. A few changes of clothes, the necessities, and a few personal reminders of her time with me. Overall, her entire world wound up packed into two duffel bags and a backpack. I marveled at how little she really had, but compared to other exiles, she probably had too much. I watched her as she loaded the last bag into the skimmer. Nath gave the trunk a quick scan before nodding and closing the lid. I felt relieved that he would be Teki's driver for the trip to the Tanayan border. 
I didn't know him that well, but he was the first exile to really give me a chance all those months ago. In a room full of strangers, he was the one I knew the most. I also know that he would keep Teki safe for as long as he could. Even ex-soldiers were as good as their word. She say why she's leaving? I turned to see that Cyrus had moved up beside me. I nodded in answer to his question. Probably for the best, if you ask me, he said. You're going to be making some enemies before long, kid. Better to have no one they can use against you. She said she was holding me back from becoming whatever it is I'm supposed to become, I said. I told her I'd drop everything if it meant she'd stay, but... But she remembered the night you tried to save those kittens, Cyrus interrupted. I remember that night too, kid. I knew right then and there that this kind of life wasn't for you. He nodded in the direction of the warehouse. Everyone in there? They've all given up, kid. For them, this is life. There ain't nothing more for them. But you, you've got the fire in you, Dallin. You still have that spark of hope that's all but died in everyone else here. She told me what you were facing, he continued. She also told me about what you did for your family. Were they the same guys that were here? I nodded. Their leader remembered me from here. Will that cause any trouble? Cyrus shook his head. I doubt it. Knowing there's at least one exile out there who don't care about the rules should keep them in line for a while. And when they finally do grow a pair and decide to come around, well, let's just say our ushers won't be so shy with the hardware next time. I couldn't help but smile slightly at that. I wondered briefly what the reaction would be from the council to find out some of their precious Shatlia died by an exile shotgun. It would probably spell the end of the warehouse as a place to gather, but doubtless the Foundation would be able to set themselves up somewhere else with little trouble. I was just about to say something to Cyrus when I noticed Nath walking toward us. I looked past him to see the skimmer was ready to go. Even though I'd accepted that this was about to happen, I couldn't stop feeling like my heart had just dropped into my stomach. This was it. I was saying goodbye to her. How long would it be until I saw her again? Good to go, said Nath softly. Should be back in six days tops. He turned to me. Can't take her any further than the border, but I got a friend who'll take her the rest of the way. And before you ask, yeah, I can trust him. This ain't the first time we've done this. Thanks, I said. I noticed Teki leaning on the skimmer, staring at the ground. Nodding to both Cyrus and Nath, I made my way over to her. She slowly lifted her head up to meet my gaze. I guess this is it, she said, her voice heavy with sorrow. I guess so, I said. I wish you didn't have to go. I know. She stood up. I want you to know, Dallin, this summer meant everything to me. Before I met you, I believed my life was as good as over. But you took me in, loved me, and made me feel like I was worth something again. She leaned into me, and I felt her arms snake around me. You gave me hope, Dallin, and I can't thank you enough for that. I wrapped my arms around her and moved to nuzzle her neck. I could feel her purring softly. Thank you, I whispered, trying to hold back my tears. Thank you for believing in me. 
for loving me. I will wait for you, my love, she whispered. No matter how long it takes. Live, Dallin. Regain your honor, and when you do, come find me. I will, I said, finally gazing into her eyes. I promise, I will. Our muzzles met in one final, passionate kiss. I held her tighter, afraid to let go because I knew when I did that this would all be over. I knew we couldn't stay like that forever, but in that moment, I was all for trying. I didn't know when or how I'd regain my honor, and that uncertainty left me fully and truly afraid. Finally, the kiss ended. It was time. Taki looked past me and nodded to Nath. I heard his heavy footsteps approach, and we separated. I'm not, I'm not even sure what else to say, I said. Then don't say anything, she whispered, reaching a hand up to my muzzle. Just know that I'll be there, waiting. I reached up and covered her hand with my own, closing my eyes. My mind traveled back to the first time she'd done that, the night I knew I'd fallen in love with her. It seemed like another lifetime ago when my feelings for her first arose. It had truly been a summer of love, and now it was ending. How long would we be apart? Months? Years? Would we meet again as strangers? Or would our love persevere? Only time, it seemed, would tell. Her hand fell away as I heard the skimmer power up. I opened my eyes, and we shared one last gaze before she turned toward the opening passenger door. I stepped away from the vehicle, and moments later it pulled away, taking my beloved cougar back home to a hopeful but uncertain future. I tried my best not to let the tears fall but it was a losing battle. I didn't cry, though. I just stood there, tears streaming down my muzzle, gazing down the road. It wasn't until I felt Cyrus's hand on my shoulder that I finally turned away. Come on, kid, he said softly. Ain't nothing for it now. I looked over at him and he smiled. She'll be fine. And you'll see her before you know it. He nodded toward the warehouse. Now come on. Let's get a hot meal into you, all right? I nodded and turned to follow him back in. I spared one last glance at the road and offered up a small, silent prayer to whatever force was listening that she would be safe before heading inside. It was the last time I ever saw her. And that's our story. It's been over a year since I started this podcast up again. My original goal was to bang out one episode per week and use it to spur on my writing, placing a definite deadline to get the next book written, proofed, and ready to record. But, like a lot of things, life got in the way. More than the pandemic and the socio-political strife it caused in 2020, I was battling my own demons of a sort. Not in terms of addiction or other dependencies, but my own anxiety and depression at being out of work and constantly worrying about what happens when the money runs out. I'm still in that position, and my bad days still overshadow the good. 
I'd like to think that things are easing, but if you listen to the news, they're still undecided as to when things will really start opening up once more. And even when that happens, that's no guarantee that there will be a job waiting for me. Thousands of skilled people, many of them more skilled than me, were displaced by all this. And it's not going to be easy to get back to where I was. Of course, these days, I just settle for something to keep me going and help claw myself out of the debts I've been forced to accumulate. This isn't to say I haven't been working on a new beginning and another story project, but it's been slow progress. It's kind of hard to work on a literary project when your head's too busy wondering when that one phone call's going to come or when that knock on the door comes. I've been lucky up to now, and I'm still fighting but it hasn't been easy to keep the voices in my head under control. This isn't a cry for sympathy or an excuse. Ultimately, this is my battle to fight, and there's never been any other direction to go but forward. I guess up to now, it took me this long just to realize that. Hey, I never said I was the sharpest tool in the shed. That being said, I think I've rambled on long enough. Again, thank you all for tuning in. And if you'd like to leave some feedback, please feel free to drop me a line at outcastnovel at gmail.com, or you can leave a soundbite via the SpeakPipe app at kickit.yo5.ca. So until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and above all, have a good week. This is Chris, signing out. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to The Kick in the Cast, the audio blog of a wannabe podcast novelist. For more information, please visit the show's website at kickit.yo5.ca. And to leave any feedback, please feel free to drop an email at outcastnovel at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and hope to see you next time.